Take two. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Erasable Podcast. I'm Tim Wassum on hosting duties tonight. And ah, gosh, I don't know. I don't remember who's joining me, but I think I wrote down my field notes. It's, uh, is it Drew and Jonathan? Yo, yo. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? Hello, Timothy. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> it is me, Tim- Timothy. Timothy Leland Wassum. Is that your middle name? You guys. Leland, yeah. That's amazing. I like that middle name. Yeah. Great middle name. I, I like it, too. It's Henry's as well. Huh. Henry Leland Wassum is his name. Yeah. <laughs> My notebook also t- tells me <laughs> that we are lucky to have joining us Larry Grimaldi, who needs no introduction to members of the Field Nuts Facebook group or the Erasable uh, Facebook group. Hey, Larry. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Timothy and fellas. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. <yeah. laughs> We're excited to have you. So thanks for thanks for joining us. Larry is a prolific user of Field Notes notebooks, and we thought we'd invite him on. Uh, to join us as we discuss these notebooks and how we use them, and most importantly, how he uses them. Uh, but let's start off the way we always do, with our tools of the trade. And Larry, as the guest of honor, why don't you get us started? Will do. Got a couple of consuming things going on here. The, the first one is the never-ending story, that goofy fantasy movie from, kind of think it was in the 80s, 1984 or whatever it was. My, my kids are about the age where I want to start showing them some things that I, I kind of grew up with and... My daughter's six, and we actually watched it today, and I think it was a little bit over her head, but she, she got to the most of it. She just looked at me toward the end when that crazy wolf, Gamora, come out and goes, is there going to be a happy ending? And I thought it was, <laughs> it was, it was a classic comment from her, and I'm like, yes, honey, just, just wait, be patient. Uh, so we're looking at that, and then my daughter started a musical theater class, and it's been the greatest showman all the time in this house. But I don't mind it. The music's pretty good, upbeat, so she's, she's fun to watch when she gets in her little theater mood. I'm going back through some old Dan Brown books because I enjoyed Angels and Demons and The Da Vinci Code and Deception Point with the main character, Robert Langdon. And there's a new one out called Origin. So I'm hoping to get that started once my summer kind of slows down a little bit. It's pretty good. I read it and it went really quickly, but really enjoyably. I'm glad because I was a little concerned about how well it might be because I know some people give Dan Brown a hard time. But as long as. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it is formulaic, right? Like it still kind of follows that same process, but it's a good formula. I mean, it's made him lots of money up until now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It totally has. And I, and I actually I enjoy the books. I, the movies, not so much, but uh, I'm, I'm looking to get that read going. I remember it's, reading The Da Vinci Code and, and buying it in downtown Chicago on some trip with a friend. And, and since then, I, I liked it. It's been a decade, but now I've got angels and demons that's been sitting on my bookshelf, like waiting to be read forever. And I, I definitely planning on, and I actually have the next one. What was the next one? Uh, uh an origin. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Well, no, there's, I, I've got, there's one in between that. Um, that's like American history. Yeah. Uh, oh, the last, lost symbol. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. I got those two waiting for me. I'm going to get to at some point. I enjoyed both of those. Those are pretty good. And then I'm catching up in terms of TV, Vice Principals. We watched season one when we had a new principal come on board a couple years ago, and people were saying how the whole dynamic of our building was very similar to the building in that show. And, and after watching season one, it is so crazy how spot on it was and pointing out and going, oh, I know who that teacher is. I know who that teacher is. <laughs> and of course, I'm not going to say anyone's name right now because, God forbid, anyone's listening to this. Uh, but I'm just catching up on season two. And then 
I just saw that the, a lot of E3 announcements for the upcoming video games because I'm such a big gamer dork, so I'm waiting for The Division 2, The Last of Us 2, and then my favorite series of all is Fallout. So Fallout 76 is coming out, so I can't wait to get my hands on those <laughs> in the next couple of months. Do you have all 75 previous ones? <laughs> no, I believe there's only four previous ones. Oh, good. <laughs> I think there's, there's some, pre- some prequel action going on here, but I, from what I read, they're moving away from their, like, the kind of a solo campaign. I can't stand playing video games online with little whiny punks and kids. and <laughs> Yeah. I, I can't stand That's why I don't You just got pwned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, like, semi, semi-insulted semi my students at some point where they're like, do you play Fortnite? I'm like, no, because then I'd be playing with you all. Like, why would I do, <laughs> why would I do that? Right. Right. I'd be stuck with you online. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. yeah, no thanks. So, but <laughs> it looks like the premise of Fallout 76 is similar to The Division, where you're kind of online with everybody, and you're all in the game at once, and I'm going, well, you've just kind of ruined it for me. So I hope it's not as bad as I'm thinking it could be, but see... And then uh, writing with pretty much almost every volume of Blackwing now that I've also jumped into the pencil bandwagon and I'm writing on my second favorite notebook, The Northerly. Nice. And that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Nice. How about you, Johnny? So I'm not consuming very much that's interesting except rewatching Downton Abbey, which I'm sure everybody's yeah. heard enough of. And um, I'm reading a really good book called How to Raise a Wild Child by Dr. Scott Pat- or Dr. Scott's patterson scott sampson who is um dr scott the paleontologist from dinosaur train that's on uh, mpt kids or i'm sorry pbs kids i love dinosaur so train it yeah it's a really really like dinosaurs and trains together it's yeah perfect <laughs> i was like really train. upset that henry didn't like it sorry yeah no. i do a good uh, <laughs> version of that song while we're walking to school henry's like do it again daddy like dude you don't watch the show <laughs> <laughs> but um if you have kids or if you want to go outside more it's a really good book about um you know getting kids out more getting kids to reconnect with nature and it's really really well written he's a very clear writer and you know it's it's super awesome it's even a nicely proportioned book for taking around with you so that'll be in the show notes definitely check that out and i'm writing with a blackwing 73 of which i now have many more in mm-hmm. a field notes postal edition i think it's the west coast at the bottom it's yeah. a good pairing yeah yes lots of waves Oh man! Um, so I, oh, gee, I um, just started a new podcast that's pretty great. It's it's called Twenty Thousand Hertz, and it's kind of like, you know how ninety nine percent invisible is for like design and architecture. Uh, Twenty Thousand Hertz is for um, audio audio design. So um, they've talked about like ASMR audio. They've talked about um, like all sorts of things. And the latest one is about how the design of that. Um, THX certification sound that happens in theaters that I can't even do it. Uh, they they call it a deep just sub that in. Yeah, they call it the deep note. And it was basically <laughs> made in the 80s with synthesizers in such a way that has never been done before up until that point. Um, and it was super interesting. Like it's like mathematically perfect in all these different ways. And like it's it's yeah, it, it's it's. 40 minutes of talking about how this thing is designed and sort of the history of THX. It's uh, like the so, opening chord of uh, Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he was weird, complex chord. He was inspired by that. Um, that I can't remember. It was either Hard Day's Night oh. or it was Day in the Life. I can't remember yeah, which. Yeah, Day in the Life. Has yeah. that as well. Yeah. Um, he was inspired by that and then also just like it, a guy at uh, Lucasfilms um, uh, came up with it. So he was inspired by that and then also that opening like 
horn blast from like like the the theme, the opening theme the da, 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 da. oh um, yeah yeah so he uh so interestingly I, I won't go into it too much um but uh George Lucas invented THX because he wanted to show um he wanted audience members for the the Empire Strikes Back to have the best audio experience and there were all these theaters that had really crappy speakers um, and so he was like, well, I'm not going to show my film anywhere. I won't be showing The Empire Strikes Back in any theaters that aren't THX certified. <laughs> and everybody's like, what's that? And he invented THX, too. It's it's not a real, like, it, up until that point, it was not a real thing. So it is now. Um, THX only doesn't stand for anything except it's a uh, tribute to his film THX 1138, uh, of which the Blackwing 1138 pencil got its name, or got its number. So, yeah, um, super interesting 20,000 Hertz podcast. Uh, I also, um, last weekend, saw um, the new Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, mm. which is I'm super good. Yeah, and people people within a certain age, of course, like, you know, Mr. Rogers is, you know, <laughs> the second the second messiah. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's really good, and you will not leave the theater with a dry face because it's very emotional, too. So yeah, and I'm writing with a uh, a zebra midliner in my lovely goddamn bujo, according to my <laughs> according to my thing. No, that was Johnny. I I'm actually writing with a Karandash Genius, which is their um, pencil with a uh, stylus on the end of it. Ooh, nice! It's an eraser. It's FSC FSC certified. I'm writing that within my um, Baron Fig Atomic um, pocket notebook. How about you, Tim? Um, I just finished a book that I really enjoyed, which is a well-known title, at least. If, I don't know if people know that it was a it was a book originally, but it's uh, called True Grit, which was uh, made famous by a movie by the Coen Brothers from several years ago, and then a movie with John Wayne many, many, many years before that. Uh, kind of a Western story about a young girl whose dad is murdered in a in a Western town, and she employs a marshal to help her track down the guy who murdered her dad. And she's this real tenacious character. Um, won't take any crap from anybody kind of character. Uh, she's a, you know, 14, 15 year old girl. And it's, it's a really great story. And I found that the book is unsurprisingly even better than the great movies that were made about it. So, um, I would totally recommend Reading True Grit by Charles Portis. Um, I think it is a it's an interesting side by side to watch that or to read that and then watch the Coen Brothers version. The mm-hmm. Coen Brothers version happens in kind of a mountainous kind of area, whereas this one happens in a, a definitely a a western kind of setting. Uh, but Coen both Brothers are is both the one with with um what's his name? Right? Jeff, Jeff Bridges Jeff, plays yeah. Rooster Cogburn. That's right. Uh, and uh, Haley, is it Haley Seinfeld? Is that her name? Yes. The pop singer? Yeah. She plays Maddie. So okay. she plays the main character in it, in, in, the, in the Coen Brothers version. And uh, Matt Damon's in it as well. I forget what character he plays. I haven't watched it in a few years, but I'm planning to watch it now, now that I finished the book yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, awesome book, though. I'm a, I'm a sucker for westerns, and this is a particularly uh, good one. Well written. Uh, I also have been listening to a lot of John Prine. I've been playing some music with some folks with a, a young kid who's writing some songs that are very John Prine like, and so we've been. I've been listening to John Prine records. His his new one is called the uh, Tree of Forgiveness. Listening to that, and then some of his older records. He's a really amazing songwriter, and uh, 
a classic country singer in the definitely not in the commercial sense. I mean, you think of commercial country singers, he's a, he's a, a hold or a holdover or whatever, a, a throwback to the to the country, classic country singers of old. He's a super talented guy. He's been around forever. So there's a lot of stuff out there, and I am almost done with it. But I've been listening to the RSVP podcast. Uh, they had Harry Marks on, on to talk yeah. about writing writing by uh, novels by hand, which was a a really interesting topic that obviously we're all interested in. We've talked with him about that uh, a similar topic, and it was it was a great conversation between. Uh, between he and Les. So I think you should definitely check out that episode of RSVP. It was super interesting. They talk about Harry's awesome podcast covered. And then they also get into the nuts and bolts, the kind of stuff we're super interested in and how they write about or how they work on novels by hand. Yeah. They've, they've been, they've been going through, they've been trying to get all the stationary dudes on there. I, I was on two episodes ago and then last episode, Mm -hmm. it was Mike Hagen from Leadfast. Yeah. And uh, Johnny and Tim, I think you're probably up next pretty soon. <laughs> uh, I'll have nothing interesting to say. That they can try me. <laughs> it can wring it out of me. Um, but it was a great episode. I'm almost done with it, but it was really interesting. It also made me think of, a, I was listening to this Slate Working podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which the the previous season or this current, I think it was this current season, but it has been about animals mostly. But they took a break from it and interviewed uh, Neil Gaiman, hmm. and he talked about writing his drafts, his first draft by hand. And one really interesting note that was really helpful to me, just in my brain as a writer, is that Neil Gaiman said he considers his handwritten draft that he starts with as his zero draft. Hmm. It's like it's not even his first draft. Like I just think of it as my zero draft, and then when I transcribe it into computer, that process is my first draft. That's cool. And I just think that makes perfect sense. And oh, I yeah. and, and it kind of freed up my mind, like with my own writing. And today, I mean, I had listened also listened to the, the Lunchbox podcast, and John Lennon had talked about uh, listening to uh, white noise while he was writing. And I tried that out today. Uh, and also, I, so I had that going on. And then also thinking about it is my zero draft. And I wrote like four pages and just plowed through it with this like kind of white noise app playing in my ears. Because when I have music playing, I think about the music when I have, yeah. you know, sounds of my house. I think about the sounds of my house. I just can't turn my brain off in that. And and white noise was really amazing. I was listening to a combination of uh, campfire sounds and rain. I like mixed the together. the coffee shop one, Coffitivity. Oh, I've never listened <laughs> to that. This is I, I forget what the app was called that I got, but it it I didn't see that. But, yeah. Uh, but it was just perfect. It just cleared my head, and I I wasn't even instrumental music i just think about all the time so so yeah rsvp with uh, harry marks was was fantastic and also that interview with Neil gaiman on on the working podcast was was really good as well so i'd encourage you to check those out i am writing with an acetone stripped uh blackwing mmx from jason patterson and also not only is it acetone stripped he also used sandpaper and like 90 percent rounded it awesome <laughs> So it's almost completely rounded, which he did because he knows I love a round pencil. So it's, it's you can barely pick up on the uh, hmm. the hex design, which also it, which is in my head is almost even better <laughs> than a round pencil, just to have a little bit to grab up onto. You know, it's a semi semi hex. Uh, 
it's a it's like a super semi hex or something yeah super semi <laughs> like u- uber semi hex um so thank you jason for that i'm i'm loving it and i'm actually writing in a, a field notes county fair idaho edition which i have absolutely no connection to idaho but at some point i had traded off some other editions i think it was actually unexposed i traded off my unexposed for like a couple packs of random county fair editions because that's my favorite edition that's ever been and i got this one so i picked it up today actually and started writing in it and really loving you, it i thought you loved i thought you loved uh, unexposed <laughs> yeah, especially that reticle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm letting my silence speak for me. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, unexposed. <laughs> no, nope, nope. Unexposed is uh is is just the worst thing. <laughs> so I, yeah, the bright covers and the reticle. It was it was not my thing. So I traded mine like before, like within an hour of of buying them, and then. I think my what I got for him is I, I had two packs and I ended up getting some shelter wood and then also a couple packs of uh, field notes county fair so so yeah, yeah. Uh, loving that so let's uh, move on to our fresh points so Larry why don't you get a start definitely I there's not a lot of new stuff in terms of of what we're probably all waiting for but since I just found out about some of the things that you guys were talking about in former episodes of your podcast. Of course, every time I listen, I spend more money. <laughs> You're so welcome. So do we. So I jumped on uh, Baron Fig and picked up a couple of the Atomics because being the science geek that I am, I thought I have to have a couple sets of Atomic. I bought one and then went back on and went, you know what? I need portals. I need train of thought. So, you know, my, my daughter and I like to kind of art journal together. So we, you know, we just, we bought, we, Cracked open a portal this morning and started in that. Uh, I'm into the new Log and Jotter. Jotter books are very similar to Field Notes. I, I like the kind of American-made covers and and the, the story behind them. And then I was told about the Tombow Mono 100 HB and how their like just their packaging was kind of cool. So I was like, well, you know what? I guess I need a dozen. And I jumped on and got a dozen of those. <laughs> and then I've been struggling with figuring out how to carry all this crap around you know i got a pencil case full of you know 20 some odd pencils and you know two or three field notes and maggie's field notes and so i'm going fanny pack just doesn't seem to work anymore for me so i found this galley tech everyday tactical backpack and i was like oh that sounds really tough i'm gonna wear that <laughs> you know i kind of sling it over my back and it actually has plenty of room for for all the junk i'm lugging around so uh, that's what i'm using to carry all my stuff and that's about it on fresh points Cool. How about you, Johnny? Okay. So um, this is not a review, but an endorsement for decomposition books, which are super cool um, composition book-like books that are made of recycled paper with really, really cool designs, um, many of which are sort of nature-themed. So um, there was one I really wanted called Redwood Creek that features a cabin in the woods that's very Theruvian, and I found it at a college bookstore this weekend, so I'm like still high from this. So my kids wanted notebooks and dragged me in there, so... I got something for daddy, so it was super cool. <laughs> daddy, can we have notebooks? Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, He's like, not going to say um, no. <laughs> keep okay. whining about it. Fine, we'll go in there and get you. Well, we walked <laughs> in, Hemi grabbed one right away, and he's like, I'm done. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 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 Let's, let's, let's hang out for a while. He picked something different. He picked one with horses because he really likes Mustangs. Nice. So it's nice to see him connect his interests. And um, 
So another thing that's interesting is that our guest Larry's kids and my kids are pencil pals. And they're exchanging letters written, of course, in pencil, which is super cool. That except for awesome. Rosie's that got lost because Rosie took it. Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. When we got, we got your letter, Maggie was like, "Where?" I thought there were three of them. I said, I think Rosie ran away. Let me read you Johnny's letter because it was funny how she was excited to get him. It was, so it's, a, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, Rosie's was really just, you know, scribbled up paper with some graphite on it that may or may not be worth a fortune one day. I don't know. She's a pretty cool kid. Probably, but, I um, assume. Yeah. It, this has come up a few times in our Facebook group to sort of organize this on a larger scale with um, all of the folks who have young kids. Maybe we could do this at some point. Maybe we'll get the kids to do it. They'll organize it better. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's all I got, sir. All right. Um, yeah, my only fresh point, um, I'm sure Johnny can speak to this too a little bit, is uh, so Randy Reagan has is somebody in our group who um, is a pretty active group member. He's an interesting guy. He also restores bullet pencils, and he... Um, has had a bunch up for sale, um, and he has he has some from uh, like basically any st- like every state. Like he like if you have something that Randy like if you have like a landmark or something that you're into, like Randy may have a bullet pencil for you. So mm-hmm. um, I asked him a while ago if he had um, any San Francisco or Bay Area bullet pencils, and at first he was like, "I don't think so. They're pretty rare. Like they're mostly found in the East Coast and the Midwest. Not a lot out on the West Coast, and especially not in the." Bay Area. So uh, he dug through, and sure enough, he had um, one for the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge, um, which is big, you know, big connected bridge here. Um, and he he also had one for the Cliff House, which is this cool old historic house on the on the the western edge, um, which is really cool. And of course, he restored them beautifully. So he I ordered those from him, and he sent me also knowing my hometown of Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, sent me a. Uh, bullet pencil for Wayne made frocks, which are, um, they make made uniforms <laughs> back in whatever day for like in Fort Wayne. Um, so that was pretty cool. I don't know anything about that company, but it's nice. an cool old pencil. That's so, awesome. His, his work is really amazing. Yeah. The, yeah. How, how perfect they are. I've got some that I've had for a couple of years now that I just adore that he sent me. And I got one based on Indianapolis because or from Indianapolis because that's where I was born. And he sent me that one and then sent me another one. He asked like a favorite place I had visited. And I told him the Badlands that like I had loved visiting the Badlands. And sure enough, he had a Badlands bullet pencil that is awesome. I wish I had it here right in front of me, but it's actually on my desk at school because I use it a lot. I carry it around the, the school when I'm working. And it's, it's just one of my favorite stationary possessions. So his work is really fantastic. Everybody should check that out. Yeah, yeah. I ordered um, one Boston-related one, and he sent me the other Boston-related one that matches it because he said they needed to go together, which is <laughs> oh. super awesome. That's sweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he he's in our he's in the Facebook group. If you're around there, um, I'm told he is working on a website. A little birdie told me that. So that's I don't, exciting. Yeah, know if that has happened yet, but yeah, he's he's pretty good. And and definitely like I like bullet pencils are awesome, but my weakness are those really gorgeous old souvenir pencils that have like that halftone illustration. They're just like a bullet pencil version of America, the beautiful, um, the field notes edition, just cause they, that has the same exact aesthetic to it to me. And I just love that. Yeah. Cool. Um, t- that's all my fresh points. How about you, Tim? Uh, first one is I, I had mentioned I got an acetone stripped pencil from Jason. 
recently. It was a MMX that was stri- uh, stripped and then and sanded. And he also sent me a very awesome General's layout pencil that was stripped naked and uh, was also hack winged. And so hmm. he put a the ferrule from a Blackwing 1911 because he said it looked a little gold, more gold than the normal ones. Uh, he put that on with a pink eraser, and it is actually is just absolutely gorgeous. So I love this thing. I've got that in front of me as well. But uh, but he sent me those. So thank you, Jason. These are amazing, and I, I can't thank you enough. Those are two of my favorite pencils of all time. Um, also, I got a package from Paper Blanks recently, which I know. Uh, Johnny and Andy, you did as well. Uh, Paper Blanks, the maker of um, hardback notebooks that you'll find in bookstores and at Barnes and Noble and things. And they're kind of the the style is sort of made to look like a. They're really good quality, like gaudy, but they are very gaudy. Really good quality, yeah, really good quality, but kind of gaudy looking leather bound notebook. And some of them are a little too much for me. Some of them are just right for me personally. So. Because they'll they'll be a little over the top sometimes, but then they have some that are understated, and the and and they use the same kind of prints or you know sort of as for the notebooks as they did for the the pencil cases. And the pencil case I got is uh, made to look like a sort of weathered, uh, well loved leather, and with a simple uh, gold trim around the edges and it's cardboard and a really good quality cardboard and it's made just kind of as a rectangular box and there are magnetic clasps that hold the the cover on but if you open it you probably heard it right there but if, if i open up <laughs> if you if i open up the case and fold the the cat or the sort of cover underneath the bottom it then props it up on your desk at about a 45 degree angle which is pretty cool and I think the best feature of these things is that they are definitely made for pencil lovers uh, like us. I think they made it with our group, with you know, our kind of people in mind because it fits an unsharpened black wing. Yeah. It's long enough to fit that in there. And when you buy it, it's going to come with this little box inside, this little like case. Um, and it's also a little misleading when you see it on the website because the case, you'll, you'll see the case that has a sharpener or something or, or eraser or whatever in it, and then there are pencils next to it. Those pencils next to it are definitely like Steinbeck stage, five, six inches. I mean, <laughs> they're shortened, which is a little, that's never going to happen. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why anyone would end up with a dozen six inch pencils <laughs> all in a case together. So, but you can just take that thing out, which is what I did. Took it out, and now it's super useful. I haven't really carried it around with me, so I don't know how it's going to stand up to being beat up in a backpack or a messenger bag or whatever. I also don't know if I'm even, if I'm going to even do that. I might just leave it on my desk and use it kind of around the house. But uh, yeah. we'll see. It's a really cool product, though. I love it. I love mine. I'm I'm glad I got this uh, design on the outside. What does yours it's, look like? Tim? It's very Indiana Jones, uh, <laughs> which I love. It is which we've started watching the young Indiana Jones, Henry and I, which is oh yeah, amazing because Henry Jones is his that's like know, his first that's like, like from the nineties man right? crush. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, Henry has a Henry has a a framed picture of Indiana Jones next to his bed. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, that's adorable. I've been, telling, <laughs> I, I've been telling him Indiana Jones stories at bedtime since he was like two. So for like three years, I've been telling. Him. I just make up these Indiana Jones stories, and we went to my, my my best friend's house here in town, and he uh, 
was having a garage sale and his wife had made him like a movie room, like to like watch movies and had framed all these pictures from all these movies that he loved. And one of them is Indiana Jones. And Henry goes, who's that? And I was like, that's Indiana Jones. And then he like, picked it up and walked it over to my friend and said, I want to buy this. <laughs> so, so he's got, he's got that next to his bed. Um, but the, which is, is like, it made me cry. I was so happy that he did that because Indiana Jones is, is the best, but, uh, you know, the, I've the, got the, the, go ahead. I was going to say my favorite ever computer game uh, is this one that LucasArts made in like the early 2000s. It's Indiana Jones and something, something Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever played that, but it's really hard and really good. And I feel like yeah. when Henry gets older, you'll have to like find some vintage computer for him to like try play that on. Cause it's, oh, totally. it's so good. Yeah. Sorry, I Henry. remember that game. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get to fully embrace it and I didn't finish it, but I, I remember that game for sure. Yeah. But, uh, Gosh, I was I was Indiana Jones like three times for Halloween when I was a kid. So this like <laughs> makes makes my life to, to see him it's, be so into it. But is that his namesake? That was I'll Ooh. just say that was the icing on the cake. Was uh, <laughs> just tell him it's it his was, namesake. We liked it was like, like name step one. We liked the name. Then we found out it was my grandfather's middle name who died when I was one. I was like, oh gosh, that's awesome. And then I thought about Henry. Throw, and then I all thought about Henry Jones, and I was like, "Okay, stop, just stop the deliberation." We found a name. <laughs> so, you know? so, what happens if when he's older, he wants to go by Indiana Wassum? Oh, it's fine with me. It's, <laughs> I don't see any problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I've got the the leather. It's the it looks like brown leather, and then it's got a gold sort of decorative trim around the edges. Yes. Uh, so, which ones did you guys get, Johnny? I got the um, Safadid. It's sort of um it looks like no. yeah. it looks like wood and leather and inlaid um blue stones. Hmm. It's cool. That's cool. It's like oh, it's yeah, an Islamic yeah. I've seen that one. That was that was a good one. I got one that's blue and has like little stars on it. It looks a little bit like like old, like ancient like uh Persian or something like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're all good. That's yeah. that's uh there's there's one that's more of like a floral kind of design. Mm-hmm. So I think we got the other three, in the, yeah. but they're they're all they're, they're pretty cool. They didn't. Um, I'm I'm a big fan, and they they seem really durable too. So I think they'll hold up. So yeah. So uh, look out for those, and they're not super expensive either, which is nice. They're like twelve ninety five, and they have the nice magnetic clip. Yeah. So check that out. Um, I my last point is uh, I found this artist my brother in law told me about, whose name is Susan York. Um, it's Y O R K is her last name. And she is a artist who, if you go to her website, you'll see two things. You'll see these seemingly super simple, like obnoxious modern art kind of things. That's just black and white. You'd be like, that's dumb. Why is it black? And you know, that, like, why, why should I care about this? It's just black and white. But if you actually uh, read about her and figure out, she's done those totally in pencil. And hmm. so she does. Uh, and it's in when you see a close up, if you go to her website, the first kind of stream of pictures that you'll see that pops up, one of them you, is a close up and you'll see the actual strokes of a pencil. So she probably goes through dozens and dozens of pencils on each of these pieces, but she uh, makes them totally perfect, like a perfect square. And so she'll uh, make these, but they, they always have some kind of message behind them. Like one time she worked with a poet and the poet would write a poem and the poet would tell her, here's where I think the like emotion high point of this poem is and then she would have already decided where she thinks the emotional high point is and she'd put the the poem up in the museum or wherever it was and then two 
essentially, she wouldn't call them this, but essentially bar graphs, where she would have penciled in and made a bar graph up to the point of where the most, mo- like where the emotional high point was, in her opinion, and then in his opinion. Hmm. So that's an example of what she would do. She has all kinds of variations on, on that, but it's it's pretty striking when you see them, and then also if you're a pencil person to see that this is done in graphite, which is pretty amazing. And then she also does sculpture. The sculptures, which are super precise, um, I will say, like some of them are carved like perfect cubes, you know, um, are made of solid graphite. Wow. Which is awesome. And so you see some of those where she'll, she, she makes these sculptures out of solid graphite. Uh, some of them look very rustic looking, I guess you'd call it. Um, and some of them are very precise and like she'll, she'll make perfect spheres out of them of, oh. of varying sizes and have them all next to each other. And it's, it's super cool to see graphite kind of both in its natural form, but also um, handled in that's, some way. That's really hard to do because graphite kind of like naturally like, you know, sloughs off in like layers, just the yeah. way that it's structured. So I can't imagine like how she got that precise without the entire thing just sort of like crumbling apart. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's what's, and that's one thing that I really appreciate about it, is I'm not like a mo- modern art kind of minded person but to see the things she does with the material that i'm so familiar with and that i love is pretty is is just impressive yeah that she's able to do that with this because um it takes a lot of care to to make something that simple seemingly simple you know and some of them are these long uh rectangular rectangular shapes that Mm -hmm. go from either floor to ceiling or sometimes even from ceiling to almost floor and are kind of hovering off the ground which is really cool um, and that would have been insanely difficult and, and technically complicated and also just handling the materials and carrying them from place to place would have been really hard. So I think it's de- definitely worth checking out. So it's susanyork.com. You can check out her work and she's really amazing. I'd love to have her on the podcast at some point and talk to her about working with graphite in this really interesting way. Um, and then also lastly, I'll just mention this briefly, but on the, I, I forgot. I forgot to talk about this earlier, but on that Slate Working podcast, the host said, "Hey, uh, by the way, Neil, our uh, June Thomas from Slate told us that you write in fountain pen, <laughs> <laughs> which is like I am officially two degrees separated from yeah. <laughs> from Neil Gaiman, absolutely." Uh, which was super cool because she's a friend of the podcast. She's been on the podcast, and June had had said something to the host and said, "Hey, you know, he writes with fountain pens." And then he he opened up his jacket apparently in the in the interview and had like a sleeve, you know, had like four of them in his coat. He was <laughs> hey, carrying. buddy, you want to buy a fountain pen? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh man, he is even more my hero. Just that he's like that dedicated to analog writing. So yeah, gotta love Neil Gaiman. But that's all I got uh, for. For fresh points, why don't we move on into our main topic? Larry, we're so happy to have you as a guest on the podcast to talk about field notes, things that we've, uh, something we're all very passionate about and all love, but we feel like you have a really special and even like young and budding connection to that really makes us all excited and we want to hear you talk about it. And I think the, the best place to start is to ask you, how did you initially discover field notes? It's it's kind of a crazy story because I was never one who carried any kind of notebook unless I was forced to for you know for school or now you know with work doing a lot of union work and and having notes for our meetings and what have you I was like all right well I, I always took notes analog anyway but 
I didn't have pocket notebooks and I would buy whatever cheap things I could find. And uh, one of my buddies at school who is the applied arts teacher has an art blog. He's an amazing still photographer. He's got some, he's, he's got some amazing skills. So he linked his blog to his Facebook page and he had a post called my favorite things. And I was like, all right, it's in the middle of the night. I'm not really sleeping. Let me check and see what it's all about. So I read his blog and boom, eight months later, here I am on a podcast talking about my love of all things field notes. It was, it was just a quick dive into it where I was, I, I saw some of the ones he was using and I went on the field notes website and ordered a bunch, you know, I, I don't, on a whim thinking, I don't know why I need all these notebooks. I'm never going to write them. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm averaging about a book every five days or so. Man, when you jump in, you jump in deep. <laughs> it, it is absolutely true. Cause I did the same thing with pencils. Cause I remember Tina in the, and she's in the nuts group and the eraser group. She's like, Oh, well, you're going to love pencil. I'm like, ah, I got a couple of pens. I'm good. <laughs> And within a month, she's making fun of me in the group going, ah, so I see you found pencils. And I, I did. So, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's awesome, actually. Yeah. So we want to revisit pencils. But um, as far as field notes go, um, and even other pocket notebooks, if you've used them, um, what, are your, what are your favorite and kind of least favorite editions that you've encountered so far? Well, hands down, I went crazy for Raven's Wing. And I, mm. I don't know if it's just the all black or... You know, the idea that when I taught language arts years ago, one of the most enjoyable units that I did was teaching about Poe, and our, our favorite thing was the Telltale Heart. But I've never read The Raven, and I always thought maybe The Raven was a little too deep for, you know, middle school kids. But then I, when I read it, and then I got my hands on the edition, and that the, the duplex cover, the linen, like it's just, there's something about that particular edition that I just mm-hmm. fell in love with. And I was lucky enough to find a few, probably more costly than I wanted to spend right off the bat, but I... As we already said, I jumped in deep and fast and spent <laughs> spent more than probably the average person would spend on a tiny notebook, but I did. <laughs> are you fun. using it or are you How collecting many? it? I'm totally a user. I, 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 my wife calls it my collection. I have a stash, I like to say. I have used two Raven's Wings in the last couple of months because I, you know, I, I the goal for me is to, to put thoughts on paper and, and to kind of go through daily jotting down of, of ideas and thoughts and lists and whatever. And, and I, so I, I plan on using everything at some point. It might take 10 years, but I'm going to go through it. <laughs> so I, I do, I do use, I mean, I like having a pack that I know that oh, I have, a, I have a pack of ribbons that I'll get to later, but I'm, I'm definitely going to rip it open at some point. Then my second favorite is Northerly, which I'm using right now. And I, there's a lot of people that hated that inverted paper where it's the, the two, the, the mm. whites are the grid, and that's kind of gray paper, so it's a little opposite. And I don't know what it is about it. I enjoy it because it's just it's so different. And I'm I'm glad I have pretty good eyesight because I don't have too much trouble staying within the grid, <laughs> even in low light conditions. So I, I I'm a big fan of the of that inverted grid. And then the last one is Drink Local Ales. I had a couple of packs of the Drink Local, and then I pop one open, and that rubbery cover that soft varnish i think they yeah. call it i i mean it was it's just so cool to hold and i just wanted to have it out all the time because i just wanted to touch the cover and it's the first edition that i used all three books in a single pack in a row i usually like to you know mix it up a bit and go here and there but it's the first one i used all three in a single pack i love the ales colors more than the lagers i haven't opened those yet but the dream local ales is is top three and non-colored edition has to be the Landland Field Notes. I consider that my, my grail 
way back when, when I, when I jumped in and I was looking at all the different editions and things, I'm like, wait, this is sold out. What do you mean limited? And I was lucky enough to stock Field Notes HQ. It's one of the bonuses of being about 25 minutes from HQ. Hmm. And they had a pop-up, and Dan Black was there, and I had no idea who Dan Black was. I didn't know what Landland was, and I started talking to him. And it was just when they were thinking about releasing the Alphabet Soup books, and I had a, I grabbed a couple of those, and I just started talking to him. And I said, you wouldn't happen to have any you know, sealed Landland field notes laying around. And he kind of gave me this coy look and was like, I actually do, because he didn't realize how big the the, the field notes would be, and specifically his – and he kept he kept a few, and he was so gracious. And he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna let you come by the shop." And I, I got a tour of the studio that he works in, and I met some of his the other people in the, in the studio and watched the process of how he makes those things. So I had no idea how you do any of that stuff. So it was a great lesson. And then as I was leaving, he's like, "I know why you're here." So he, he popped open a box and he gave me a gave me a, a kick at uh, grabbing a cute a couple of a packs. And I'm lucky enough to still have one sealed pack land land left, and I will use it at some point, but. But those are those are my my three favorite and my one non favorite color because there's a cool story behind it. Hmm, that's awesome. Yeah. And in terms of least traveling salesman, because I'm a I, I'm not, I was gonna say I'm a writer, I'm not a writer, but I'm a journaler. I, I've I've learned to love the art of and the task of writing things down, thoughts, whatever it is. I'm throwing it in my notebook, and. I got the traveling salesman because I was like, oh, it's a limited edition. It's sold out. Let me grab it. And then I realized, I, how in the heck am I going to journal on ledger paper? It just didn't work for me. So I luckily enough unloaded those in the nuts group. And that was the same thing with resolution for the, for similar reasons is that screw head completion thingy dot at the beginning of every line just kind of interrupted my flow of writing the way I use the notebooks. So it was the first time I kind of went, oh, I think you do trades or things in this field nuts group. So I put a little post up and I said, hey, anybody want them? And it was my first trade as well with uh, Daniel, super cool guy, really gracious. And it was the first time I saw how amazing nuts group was. And I'm, and, and I'm glad resolution wasn't for me because it allowed me to kind of see the, how the group works and how how the people really are, and it's the same with the erasables. Like the, how the nuts they actually are. <laughs> that that is absolutely true. It's, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and I talk to people. I'm like, yeah, it's like, kind of like an underground group of love of stationery because not many people know about this stuff. And you know, I, I like that's probably one of the reasons why I like field notes because not everybody uses them, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. And then the last least favorite of all is black ice. I love the look, but man, I cannot stand glue and the per binding. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> and then I also noticed, you know, the right notepads because I was kind of delving into like, what other notebooks are out there? Let me check it out. And the same thing with right notepad. I was like, I don't like the glue. And then, but they came out with Sakura just recently, which is, which is the stitch binding with the staples. And I was like, I'm yeah. grabbing it. It's actually, it's really, really awesome book. So those so, are favorites and least favorites. Excellent. So, you know, every different paper has a special pencil for it. Like Baron Fig's a little toothy, and field notes are usually pretty smooth and um, almost kind of glassy. So what kind of pencils do you find work best on field notes, and what would you recommend to folks if they want to try them out? And they're field notes fans, but they're not pencil fans yet. Well, I'm not going to say I'm a authority on anything related to pencil other than I'm glad I found them and I love writing with them. Um, but I'm thinking in terms of what people may be familiar with, like the HB or B. I know some people like softer lead. I was thinking 
you know, I want the extra firm when I was learning about black wings. And so any traditional Japanese pencils like Tombow and Mitsubishi, I think are really, really awesome on the paper. I mean, I don't know if those are even considered traditional Japanese pencils, but I think I'm learning the ways of pencils. So I would go with like the, the HB or B Tombows and Mitsubishis. And I think for my longer writing sessions, when I'm, you know, sitting at the coffee shop and I'm just jotting down notes about the books I'm reading or the podcast I'm listening to. I like using the, the extra firm or firm graphite, like in the 24s, but I I never use the, the soft or the balanced graphite, like in the 73 or the 725, and I finally decided to sharpen a 725 with the one I did have, and I couldn't believe how it felt smoother, and I liked the darkness of the of the of of that graphite on paper. And so I... It's it's kind of a personal preference kind of thing, but I really am kind of moving towards a little more soft graphite, and I have no problem sharpening pencils, you know, in public or wherever you sharpen pencils. I usually sharpen them all in the morning and go through them all by the by the afternoon. But hmm. yeah, I'm, I, those are the ones I would think is is the paper really is smooth, and and even the firmer graphite works well because it's not it's not too bad. I I haven't used anything that crazy i know johnny sent me some mopex i'm afraid to use them on this thin paper well i don't know <laughs> if it's gonna it's gonna tear it up or not but it'll no. probably burst into flame <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just when you sharpen it be careful not to create friction to melt some of it because if you inhale that like like automatic like black lung oh yeah just make sure there's not any like oxygen around while yeah. you're using that because it would <laughs> sharpen it in a problem. true vacuum <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a fume hood at work. I'll have to go sharpen them at work. But all right. There you go. All right. And you'll be good. You'll love them. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> okay. Could you, so the kind of main event here is talking about how you use your field notes. And you kind of alluded to this at a few points throughout the episode. But can you tell us how you use your field notes? Walk us through the, the process of filling them and kind of the mission you have behind your, your use of field notes. The first time I when I when I got my first order, I just popped open a craft and I was like, "Oh, a craft notebook! This is neat." And I, you know, the the stuff I put in there was so useless, kind of a way, you know, like cut the grass or, or you know, don't forget to put your shoes in your bag when I was doing coaching to make sure that I had you know clothes to change and two later. It's just goofy notes. And the funny thing is, sometimes I wouldn't even read them. I would just write it down and I never come back to them. So I just I I. I felt that I needed a way to make things more meaningful in the fact that what I'm writing about. So I went to my parents' house and kind of, I ransacked the old bedrooms just to see if there's anything I left that might be of value personally or monetarily. And I found like old stickers and some things from, from my dad and he passed away a few years ago. And I, and I, the, the third field notes I used was a county fair and I started throwing in pictures and stickers and writing about the memories I had from the things that I took back from my parents' house and the joy, the, the, just the feelings of, of my, my old life in that house and with my parents and my dad being around and my, and my grandmother, it was, it was amazing how different that third book finished and how I felt writing in it. So I, I made a, I made a, pack with myself like from here on out i have to make my entries at least some of them more meaningful about what i'm reading quotes advice and it's not really i don't really have a rhyme or reason for the daily carry book it really is a brain dump it has lists it has quotes it has thoughtfulness it has gratitude things that i'm that i'm happy about and I, like i said i average about one every five days you know and, I, and even with the daily carry i'll scrapbook 
within my daily carry. Like my mom's birthday was the other day and I forced her to take a selfie because she's anti pictures right now. And, and so I threw that, I threw that in, in the notebook and wrote a little bit about the day that we spent together because due to her health, she wasn't able to get out and come and see the family. We're still working on that. But the fact that I spent that time with her and was able to get a picture and kind of memorialize it in an, in this notebook and, you know, maybe someone when I'm dead and gone will read that and, and kind of feel what I felt at that moment. So in terms of other things, I have a notebook for everything. I have one for coaching and for taking stats for you know, my, when I coach volleyball or for my, my kids' sports and how his batting average is and when he's playing hockey and, and, and all that. I got one for every different kind of union meeting I run or I hold. Uh, it, we have we use the sweet tooth for our gratitude jar entries. My wife a couple years ago said we need to be grateful for things, which I think is a great idea. And I never really put anything in the gratitude jar. But once I found field notes, I, I really didn't. I was like, I'm not writing a note. What I'm grateful for field notes. <laughs> right. So she, so we, we, we got the, <laughs> we got the sweet tooth sitting out by the, by the, by the gratitude jar because we can rip them out. And I write my little note and I, and I, and she even jokes, she's like, God, field notes really is in your blood all of a sudden because I had more notes in that jar than anybody else because I just kept writing on the field notes. So and she's, she's not, fallen into the field notes bandwagon just yet but she's she's dying for a lined perforated book so we'll see mm. maybe it's something so i want to backtrack a little bit to scrapbooking um because this is something that really is interesting to me like when i think of scrapbooks i think of those like big photo album sized books that people put those like puffy stickers in and have big headlines and stuff um, but you're scrapbooking um, with your kids into field notes, which is really space constrained, space constrained and small. And I'd love to know. I'd love it if you talk a little bit about that process, and then also how you like get these pictures into your field notes. Yeah, definitely. It's it goes back to like the 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 what am I doing? Like when my son was born 13 and a half years ago, I did keep anything. I didn't keep a keepsake box. I didn't keep the baby book. When my daughter was born, same thing. But when I found field notes and I did that county fair scrapbooking, when winter break came this past December, I kind of sat down and I was like, I know what I can do. I know what I can leave my kids and I know like I can leave them something that they will hopefully enjoy to read, you know, when I'm dead and gone and, you know, six feet under that. So I, so I decided that I was going to do scrapbooking and I searched the web about how to scrapbook. And, and like you said, it was overwhelming, these giant binders and these stickers and these little goofy, you know, trinkets that you put in the scrapbook. And I'm thinking, I want nothing to do with that a, because I don't have time and B, it just looks cheesy. It looks forced. So I was in the field nuts group and somebody pointed out, they, they use these little mini printers, and I have two, the HP Sprocket and the Polaroid Zip, and I order them immediately, and they print out these two by three pictures with a sticky back, and you can just pop them <laughs> right in the field notes. It's like it's made for. And That's amazing. It actually, for what I use it for and how I scrapbook, it's absolutely perfect. I don't care, really, that it's not super crisp and the picture's not as, as vivid as, as you would get out of a, you know, a nice print from Walgreens or whatever. But if for what I'm doing it, so I, I, you know, I, the first week, the weekend I got them, I printed probably a hundred, 120 pictures. I mean, I went absolutely insane in printing and s- stayed up wee hours in the morning during winter break and started these scrapbooks and the pictures are perfect. They fit right in there. And I even cut them up sometimes and, and make sure that I can put maybe some two on a page because the you know two by three print is not super huge, 
And then all I really do is think about what memory or what feeling I had connected to that picture. And I went with it. So for the first two books that I started, I started one that I, that I titled The Beginning. And I went back through my daughter's pictures on my computer from day one when she was born. And I printed up probably 50 or 60 pictures from the day that she was born through her. She was about, she just turned six. And I started popping them in the field notes and just kind of chronicling her first five years through her through the eyes of her father and putting a picture and kind of writing about the memory I had. I really had no rhyme or reason. I just wanted her to see because I didn't I didn't I didn't leave anything for her. I didn't write in her baby book, but I now had this urge to share what I had mm-hmm. and how I felt about her being born and you know so and and having a son and a daughter it's so different the the way you raise them and the way you talk to them and you know the how you do things so I so I went back home by my mom's and printed up a bunch of uh, or downloaded a bunch of pictures of my son from I found some from his birth so I started the, the beginning book for him and by the end of winter break I finished two books of each for each of the kid with just like the beginning of their lives and how their lives kind of progressed over the, like my son for his 13 years and my daughter for his five years. Then I sat back and I'm like, I'm, I'm out. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to, to do. And then yeah. I had crazy idea of, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to scrapbook a single entry every day with a picture and a note for every day of the year until they leave for college. That's my plan. I've kept up. It's with amazing. It yeah. So far, like it's, I'm, we're in June and I have every day scrapbooked. Some days don't have a picture because uh, my 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 son. Uh, I was divorced earlier, so I don't always have my son. So I don't always have a picture of him. So on the days that I don't have him with me and I don't have a picture of him, I jot down a rule of thumb or a piece of fatherly advice so that at least I'm giving him something every day of yeah. the year. And That's fantastic. It, it reminds me a lot. Have you um have you ever seen that uh Gmail commercial called Dear Sophie? Um it's uh I can't remember it, it came out like several years ago um maybe during like the Super Bowl or something but it's about how somebody started a Gmail account uh for their their newborn daughter Sophie and was like emailing them and the idea was like as when yeah. Sophie was old enough she would like go log on and read all this stuff. I have I have not seen that. But I I do that with my kids. I, I started doing that like four years ago, three or four years ago, and so they both have Gmail accounts. Well, for Henry, Lyle's yeah. I started two years ago, but um, I love that. Yeah, just every once in a while, we'll just get on my phone and just like shoot off a text to them when they say something funny or yeah, say something that like or do something really power you know and meaningful or whatever yeah it so i love this because it's sort of like that same concept which i just love if i had kids i would love to do something like that um except with analog which is which is of course our (laughs) our whole bag here so yeah yeah it is it is extremely time consuming i and (laughs) and, you know I, i will say that sometimes i get a look like oh here he is again at the dining room table with his printers and his pictures and his pencils and his you know and because i have multiple scrapbooks going at once for my kids. Like I started the beginning book too, because I found pictures of them that I didn't use in the first book. So I'm like, I'll just keep the beginning going until I run out of pictures up until January 1st, 2018, when I started <laughs> the, the daily journal. So I'm, I'm all in passionately and probably over the top, but it's so fun to do. I, I'm, I'm having a blast doing it and, and I'm hoping that when they leave for college, that's my plan. 
that when they when they leave for college, I'm going to give them a box of hundred hundred hundreds of these things with with thoughts and 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 pictures of <laughs> of what we did and how they did. And sometimes I'll get a candid picture that I don't even know I'm taking a picture of them. And, and those are even more fun to use because I get to write about how ah, I snuck up on you. You didn't see me coming. And <laughs> They're going to be like, thanks, Dad. Pro- probably. <laughs> put it under their bed. <laughs> but I'm not putting it on Facebook and I don't put them all over the Internet. There's a couple that I'll tweet out or, you know, Instagram. But like some of those other special ones, they're just for that. And I've noticed that my writing has evolved even in the last couple of months with the entries because sometimes when I first started, I would write and I would write it for me. And then I realized I'm not writing these books for me. So the entry can't be connected to, to necessarily me. I want to write it more for them and how they, you know, I see them and not just how I felt about the day, but how they felt about the day. And, and so just even the evolution of how I write the entry with each picture is, is changed. And it's, it's, it's something I hope that I don't stop doing because it really is something I, I enjoy doing. And even if they look at me, in, you know, for my son, it'll be, God, six years or so, or he'll be going to college or, and, and he'll maybe he'll look at me and go, I don't want any of this. Cause right now he's in that mode where dad's the devil and anything dad likes, he hates. Hmm. So he doesn't want any, anything to do with writing or field notes or journaling. And I can't stand it cause I know the importance of it. Like even when I teach, like we're, we're one-to-one computers and iPads and in my classroom, you take notes analog period. You do not get to take a note on a computer, so my, my students hate me for it, but I hopefully hopefully in the future they'll realize the point behind that. So even with him. Yeah. But but then even even my daughter, she's just turned sick. She's got a long way to go before she leaves for college. Who knows if she'll want these back in the day? But I'm hoping at some point. Well, someday that, you'll have like a what's that song that's like I wanna be like you the cats in the cradle song. Someday it'll be like that and maybe maybe he'll <laughs> yeah, be interested the then. Thing. Yeah. May, I, you know, I can only hope, but you know, but it's 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 just one of those things like like I'm doing it because I'm glad that I'm doing it. And my wife even gives me a hard time because she on every birthday for our daughter, she writes Maggie a letter about the year in one note and then she puts it away in her keepsake box and she even gives me a hard time. She's like, Oh great, I got it one day letter and you got a 365 day times however many <laughs> you know and i and i give her and i just tell her i'm like join me add your own thing and she's still kind of like well that's your thing and i would have no problem sharing that with her i'm hoping at some point she kind of joins me in it because i really think if we could do it together she she may see why i'm so obsessed with these things yeah mm-hmm. so and, and, you know baby steps baby steps yeah we're, we're getting there <laughs> so that's yeah. i mean and that's kind of the gist of it it's it's there's, there's really no rhyme or reason, and I, I wouldn't even know how to tell people what, how, where to start other than just start, just do it. Make make a note, and these mini printers are absolutely perfect for the pictures, and, and even if you don't use a printer, jot something down about who you're with, why you're with them, what made you happy, what made you sad, because you know, my, I, I tell my wife, even when she's angry or I'm angry, I'm like, we, I'd rather write down why I'm upset and reflect on it later than yell at you or yell at the kids or you know i kind of grip my teeth and i go back and i write about it later and then realize i'm glad i didn't say anything because it's ridiculous what i was thinking about so just just use them use it write put put your thoughts down and you'll find that you can expect for me over time your your writing will evolve your thoughts will evolve and i'm now big into this whole like legacy thing my parents pushed it my dad especially don't you don't you make us look like fools when we're out of here because of our name and our legacy and 
you know, I never really thought about it until I started doing this, thinking about what do I want to leave my kids? What do I want my kids to see? Because I know when my father was sick and, and kind of towards the end of his life, my mom bought him books to write memoirs to us and he never wrote in them. And I'm kind of bummed about it, to be honest, because I would love to see what he was thinking. And and she even bought one for my for my grandmother who passed away even a little bit earlier than he did. And she jotted down two or three pages and I have that. But you kind of look back like I, I'm glad I'm doing this because I'm hoping when I'm, like I said, dead and gone, they're going to read them and, and think about what their life was like when, when we were around. And I, so that's, that's pretty much why I'm doing it. I, I, I want to leave something for my kids that's meaningful is what it comes down to. Well, that's a, just such a great thing to hear and hear you Absolutely. talk about. Obviously you're, you're so passionate about it and it's something that's very, um, it's, it's really cool to see somebody who has a drive to do something meaningful with their field notes that isn't, um, the ordinary or you know isn't like i just maybe i'll write a novel someday or maybe i just like all these kind of self-serving things of like i want to do this for me and or i just I like to-do lists like, like i do yeah 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 <laughs> all of us do really and it's just that you've got kind of that side of things where you do the normal field and stuff but you're also using them to achieve a purpose that's kind of you know nobler i, I, would, I would definitely say so and we really enjoyed hearing you talk about that and I thank you that. thank you so much for for being on the podcast and talking with us and hopefully you'll get to do it again someday. And we, we, uh, we've loved getting to know you a little better and hearing what you have to say about field notes. So thank you, Larry. I love being on here. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Cause it's like, as you said, it's a passionate thing that I'm, that I'm doing and I love doing and I will talk to anyone at any time about it. So if you want me back on and continue the story and see where I'm at in six months, I'll be more than happy to come back on and hopefully I could, I'm not going to say, nope, I'm done. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think we, uh, we can all say that we, we created this podcast so that we could have people who would listen to us talk about this stuff. So you are, <laughs> you are <laughs> in, good, in good company with that. We were, that's why we wanted you to be on here because we wanted to, to join the conversation with you. So, no, that's awesome. Thank Thanks you. So much. Thank you. Can you uh, tell us where, if, if, if anywhere that you want us to want people to find you on the internet or would be okay with people finding you on the internet, how can they find you? Yeah, no problem. My uh, Twitter is at Larry Grimaldi. Larry is spelled with one R. And then my Instagram is at RedWings1377. And then that's, that's pretty much where you find me. All right. Great. Uh, how about you, Johnny? Uh, you could find me on the internet at PencilRevolution.com and on Twitter and Instagram at PencilUtion. Yeah. Andy? Uh, I'm on woodclinch.com, uh, and then I'm on Instagram and, and Twitter at, at a Wellfley, a W E L F as in, um, Frank L E and, and you too. Falafel. Falafel. F as in falafel. <laughs> that would be delicious. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Wassum and you can find me on Instagram at Timothy Wassum. The show notes for this episode can be found at erasable.us slash 98. Please, if you haven't yet, or if you're new to the podcast, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash erasable. It's a fantastic place. And also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash erasable podcast. That's where you'll get updates in your Facebook feed about new episodes that come out or uh, if we're doing a poll or if we're just making an announcement about something that we're involved in. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram 
at Erasable Podcast. So please do so there. We'd love to hear from you and love to uh, share whatever it is that we're, we're stumbling across with you. Thank you for listening to episode 98, and we'll talk to you soon. The intro music for the Erasable Podcast is graciously provided by This Mountain, a collaborative folk rock band from Johnson City, Tennessee. You can check out their music at www.thismountainband.com.